Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. This is episode 31 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It is November 23rd, 2021. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes... There's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Now, before I get to today's news, I want to tell you about a personal journey I've been on for 13 years and how, by the grace of God, I discovered the best-kept secret in American health care. I have hoped and prayed for years for the opportunity to share this on a national stage, and I'm thankful the Lord has opened the door for me to do so. Back in 2008, I was living in Brunswick, Georgia, selling radio commercials. That's where I met a doctor who taught me about a crucial part of health care that most of us have never heard of. Okay, here goes. Your skull weighs somewhere between 8 and 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1 bone, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does get out of alignment, it can cause your spinal column to get kinked up like a chain. So that can lead to big problems because that's where your central nervous system is located. If your spinal column gets kinked up, it can cause your central nervous system to be unable to send impulses to the rest of your body as God designed it to do. So you need to find out if you need an upper cervical care doctor. They're the doctors who take x-rays of your head and neck to see if your atlas is out of alignment. And if it is, they're the doctors who will adjust your atlas to get it back in alignment and you feel better. At the time I found out about this over 13 years ago, I was a single dad and my mom was helping me raise my six children. So I went home and told her about this doctor I met who adjusts people's atlases and about the results he was getting. She said, Doc, you have to take your son, Steve. He's only 13 years old, and I'm afraid he's developing scoliosis, curvature of the spine. He can't sit up straight. He can't stand up straight, and he has migraines all the time. So I took Steve. He got his atlas adjusted, and immediately he sat up straight, and he stood up straight. After his third adjustment, the migraines went away for good. Then my mom told me, Doc, look at yourself in the mirror. Your shoulders are off balance, and you have bad headaches all the time. I think you need to get your atlas adjusted. So I did, and the migraines went away. But I also realized that I had been suffering through a low-grade but consistent head and neck ache caused by several automobile accidents I had been in over the past 20 years. So that consistent low-grade head and neck ache went away immediately, and I instantly realized I had been walking around in a fog for several years. Getting my atlas adjusted was like coming up out of the ether. But what really surprised me was when springtime came around, And for the first time I could remember, I didn't have hay fever. Well, that was quite a shock because I had had really bad hay fever every spring going all the way back to my school days. Folks who have their atlases adjusted have reported success with not just migraines, not just allergies, but fibromyalgia, acid reflux, and even eczema. 
It's all about adjusting the atlas to remove the obstruction that keeps your central nervous system from sending impulses to different parts of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I've been under this kind of care for over 13 years in three different states. I think I would probably be in a wheelchair by now if I hadn't found out about getting my atlas adjusted. My wife and I know many people this has helped. If you're wondering if you need to get your atlas adjusted, look in the mirror or look at a picture of yourself. Do your eyes look off balance? Do your shoulders look off balance? Do you naturally tilt your head to one side or the other? When you sit on the sofa, are you most comfortable leaning one way or the other? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. If you'd like to get a free consultation with a doctor near you who adjusts atlases, go to the website, TurnMyPowerOn.com. We link to it on our website, TurnMyPowerOn.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, did you see Tucker Carlson's interview with Kyle Rittenhouse last night? If you haven't, you really ought to go out on YouTube and watch it. Kyle appears to be an admirable young man, the kind of fellow you would want your kids or grandkids to be friends with. He told a harrowing story of what he's been through. You need to hear Kyle Rittenhouse's story. And God bless Tucker Carlson for giving Kyle a platform to actually tell the story. It really says something that Tucker is the person Kyle and his mom trusted to deal with him fairly, and he did. If one of my children had been through what Kyle has been through, I would trust Tucker to deal with him fairly and compassionately. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, Brian, Mansour, somebody in the in the next room, the uh, the TV monitor is out again, and, of course, we need to keep that uh, on some live news TV in case there's breaking news, so... Somebody wants to come in and take a look at that. It's just got the screensaver going on, and I appreciate it. All right, have you seen the three-part series Tucker did about what happened on January 6th? It's called Patriot Purge, and you can watch it for free on TuckerCarlson.com. Now, I've watched the trailers for all three parts, and I was very impressed. I plan to watch the whole thing over the Thanksgiving holidays. Not everyone agrees with me, however. Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes, a couple of never-Trumpers who appeared regularly on Special Report with Brett Baer, announced they were resigning in protest because Fox News allowed Tucker Carlson to present another side of what happened on January 6th. Now, here's how the mainstream media is covering the story. We'll take a look at uh, Mediate. Mediate. Article by Sarah Rumpf entitled... Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes quit Fox News in protest of Tucker Carlson's revisionist history January 6th special. Two Fox News contributors, Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes, have resigned from the network in protest over Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge special about the the events of January 6th, calling it dangerous and revisionist history. Carlson's three-part special aired on Fox Nation and was loudly criticized by a variety of media commentators and fact-checkers, including Mediate's Colby Hall, who wrote that it would be an understatement to label the series a fever pitch of deranged conspiracy theories. PolitiFact wrote about Patriot Purge, quote, There is no evidence that the FBI or any government agency 
orchestrated the attack or incited it, and there's no evidence that it was staged or a false flag. Well, PolitiFact lies. Ball-faced lie. What about Ray Epps? What about Ray Epps, who's on five different videos the night before January 6th and during January 6th, saying, we got to get in there. we got to go in the Capitol. Right? And people are yelling at him, Fed, 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 Fed. Which he is. Which he is. He was on the uh, FBI's most wanted list of 20 people shortly after January 6th. And then they took him down when conservatives started exposing him to be a federal asset. And they never arrested him. And he was the main instigator of getting into the Capitol. So PolitiFact lies, Colby Hall at Mediate lies, all these people are lying. But Mediate continues. Jonah Goldberg, formerly at National Review, and Stephen Hayes, formerly at the Weekly Standard, were part of a group of never-Trumpers and Trump skeptics who founded something called the Dispatch in 2019. They've carved out a unique niche for themselves in a conservative media world still rocking from the seismic impact of former President Donald Trump's surprise success in the 2016 Republican presidential primary, even more shocking victory in the general election and continued influence over a wide swath of the GOP voter base. Well, the niche they've carved out is that nobody's paying attention to them. Just so you know. But media continues. According to a report by New York Times media columnist Ben Smith, the two men discussed quitting Fox News soon after the trailer for Tucker Carlson's special was first posted online October 27th with Goldberg texting Stephen Hayes, I'm tempted just to quit Fox over this. Hayes replied, I'm game, totally outrageous. It will lead to violence. Not sure how we can stay. Goldberg told Smith that they had stayed on at Fox News, quote, because of a sense from conversations of Fox that after Mr. Trump's defeat, the network would try to recover some of its independence and, as he put it, right the ship, unquote. Oh, oh, the same network that sat there and acted like on election night nothing was going wrong when five swing states stopped counting all all at the same time. The same network that called Arizona almost immediately for Biden and waited days to call states that Trump had obviously won, that network. But Mediaite continues. However, the network's involvement in the Patriot Purge series, it aired on the subscription streaming service Fox Nation, not on Fox News, but was promoted multiple times on the television channel. The network's involvement was viewed And Jonah Goldberg's words as, quote, a sign that people have made peace with this direction of things and there is no plan, at least, that anyone made me aware of for a course correction, unquote. They hate the fact the truth is coming out. Even though it's not coming out on Fox News Channel, just on Fox Nation, the subscription service. Anyway, Stephen Hayes expressed his concern about the widely viewed Fox News, Carlson in particular, is a long-standing ratings juggernaut. Yeah, I wonder why. Promoting the threat of, quote, a domestic war on terror, and it's coming for half of the country, unquote. 
Hayes said that's not true, calling out Tucker Carlson's series for amplifying this kind of conspiracy theory because of the risk that some viewers would believe it as the literal truth, making it, quote, truly dangerous in a way that the usual hyperbole that you get on a lot of cable news isn't, unquote. Goldberg and Hayes sent an email message to Dispatch subscribers Sunday evening explaining that while they had been Fox News contributors for a long time and had enjoyed ourselves and believed we were contributing to a good cause for most of that time, that feeling had changed recently. They said, and the tension has grown between what we are building at the Dispatch, a fact-driven center-right media company, and what's come to dominate the network, particularly in prime time. Oh, I see. And they have a little box here which says, in late October, Tucker Carlson aired a promotion for a series he produced for Fox Nation, Fox's subscription streaming service called Patriot Purge. It's a revisionist history of January 6th, one in which those who enter the Capitol are largely portrayed as misunderstood patriots, and many of those responsible for the violence are government officials or agent provocateurs acting on their behalf. Among the main protagonists of the series are the organizer of the Stop the Steal rallies and a racist fired from the Trump White House for his association with white nationalists. Who would that be? I, I didn't hear about a racist fired from the Trump White House for his associations with white nationalists. Who would that be? Anyway, it says the message of the series, the U.S. government is coming after patriots as part of a war on terror 2.0 using the same tools and tactics used to fight al-Qaeda. This isn't true and it's dangerous to pretend it is, and for us it was way too far. We resigned after watching the series in its entirety and asked Fox to release us from the rest of our contracts. Well, it is true, but they don't want it to be true. And the irony here is that Joe Biden is using a lot of the same methods that Woodrow Wilson was using over 100 years ago. And I didn't know anything about how horrible Woodrow Wilson was until I read Jonah Goldberg's book, Liberal Fascism, which, which came out about 15 years ago. And I don't know what happened to the guy that wrote the book because this guy now is polar opposite of the guy who wrote that book. Anyway, Mediai continues, the email concluded by saying they were disappointed and had enjoyed great relationships with many of their Fox colleagues, but after watching the series, what had long been a difficult decision quickly became an obvious one. A longer version of the message was posted at the dispatch. They wrote, we remain grateful for the opportunities we've had at Fox, and we continue to admire many of the hardworking journalists who work there. This is our last recourse. We do not regret our decision, even if we find it regrettably necessary. Goldberg and Hayes' colleague and fellow Trump critic David French tweeted his support. Well, who cares what David French says? saying he was proud to work with them, and they made a hard, good call. Yeah, whatever. 
whatever. Mediaite says Smith called Carlson for his reaction. And the Fox News host said Goldberg and Hayes' resignations were great news and added our viewers will be grateful. Yeah. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they absolutely will. New York Times media columnist Ben Smith. All right, now, but wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. Mediaite has another article here. Brett Baer, you know, the guy that uh, hosts Special Report with Brett Baer, that guy. Um, Brett Baer reveals concerns about Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge when questioned by Brian Kilmeade saying, I don't want to go down that road. Now, I've never heard... I've never heard Brett Bear get perturbed, get upset. You know what I'm saying? But I sure heard it in the recording when he came on Brian Kilmeade's uh, syndicated radio show. Brian Kilmeade's the guy that does uh, Fox and Friends in the morning, has been doing Fox and Friends on Fox News Channel for over 20 years, but he also has a syndicated radio show. Okay. And um, <clears throat> we'll play that in a minute. But first, let me tell you, NPR said veteran figures on Fox's news side, including political anchors Brett Baer and Chris Wallace, shared their objections about Tucker Carlson's controversial series Patriot Purge about January 6th, they shared their objections with Fox News Media CEO Suzanne Scott and its president of news, Jay Wallace. Those objections rose to uh, Lachlan Murdoch, the chairman and CEO of the network's parent company, Fox Corporation. Through a senior spokeswoman, Scott and Wallace declined comment. Murdoch did not return a request for comment through a spokesman. So that's Rupert Murdoch's son. The guy whose wife tweeted out on Saturday, November 7th, after Fox News called the election for Biden, we did it. Okay? See where this is going? So I want you to hear... Brett Baer, and Brian Kilmeade. Because this was just remarkable. And I've got some thoughts about the tough situation that Tucker Carlson is in in a moment. But first, Brett Baer and Brian Kilmeade. So, Brett, um, what, what's going on with Steve Hayes and Jonah Goldberg? Why do, why do they why do they not want to come on? I know you. I'm, I'm friends with Steve Hayes, but not like you. You guys have been friends for years. Yeah, I think it was a tough choice, uh, but one that they've made on principle. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm going to let them speak for themselves. Uh, it's sad to see them go. And, um, you know, I'm always for hearing all kinds of voices. No, you're not. 
you don't want the truth about what happened January 6th, which is why you're saying that Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes quit Fox News on a matter of principle. The principle is they don't want the truth out. And you don't either, do you? Um, left, right, Trump, whoever, um, supporters. And uh, so it's, you know, it's sad for special report, I think, for the network. But uh, they made their choice on principle. So I'll let their statement stand. On principle. The principle that they don't want the truth out about the fact that January 6th of the Capitol was a setup by the feds just as much as the so-called kidnapping plot a few months earlier of the Democrat governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, was a setup by the feds. And, you know, I watched the feature with Tucker, and uh, I watched it on, on Fox Nation. Interesting perspective I didn't get before, but I didn't get hurt by it. I didn't get damaged by it. Were you, were you bothered by it? Because that's the reporting. There's, um, yeah, Brian, I don't want to go down this road. And- he sounds perturbed. Never heard him like this before. And, and, okay. uh, you know, I mean, uh, there were concerns about it, definitely. And um, and I think that uh, the, the news division did what we do. I mean, we covered the story. And, um, you know, I wanted to do all of that internally. Uh, Steve and Jonah made their decision, and it's their decision. Uh-huh. I see. So when Brian Kilmeade was referring to the reporting, the reporting says that Brett Beer, Brett Bear, and Chris Wallace were so concerned about Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge three-part series about January 6th, again, that they went all the way to the CEO and the president of news of Fox News and then went all the way to the owner, Rupert Murdoch's son, whose wife posted, again, the Saturday after Election Day when Fox News called it for Biden, we did it. Now, if you don't think the fix is in, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't think the fix is in, I don't know what to tell you. Now, what is this all leading up to? Well, so last week, Fox News did the um, the third annual Patriot Awards in Florida. And you know how when you're on YouTube, you're, you're watching a video and they, they put a bunch of other suggestive videos up on the right and you stumble across interesting things? So a guy named Guy Benson, who has a uh, radio talk show on Fox News Radio, was interviewing Tucker Carlson. And Tucker said some amazing things which were really disappointing. In uh, less than a minute, Tucker implied that Joe Biden won the election of November 3rd, 2020, fair and square. Tucker's not a stupid guy. 
Tucker is one of the smartest guys I've ever seen on television. It's very difficult for me to believe that he actually believes that Joe Biden won the election fair and square. But um, I guess if he admitted it, he'd be fired. I mean, if you think that Chris Wallace and Brett Baer went all the way to the top CEO and president of news of, of Fox News, and all the way up to Rupert Murdoch's son, who runs the the whole conglomeration now, over a three part series Tucker did on Fox Nation. What do you think they would do if he actually even hinted on the air on his show that maybe Biden didn't actually win the election? They'd have his job. Didn't have his job. So listen to what Tucker said in a little interview last week in Florida with Guy Benson and see if you were as shocked and upset as I was about this. Pull up tape from Joe Biden four years ago. It's a totally different man. So everybody knows it. I would just say as a political matter, I felt that his obvious, whatever you want to call it, the fact he was slowing down, was one of the reasons he got elected because he seemed non-threatening mm-hmm. so he might be a little punchy he's clearly not in his game whatever you you know however kind of safe that. normal safe thank you that's the word safe and i got that i totally understood that i know why people voted for biden i definitely do i'm not mocking them for voting for him they were exhausted by trump they're not ideological they didn't think about the ideas that biden represents or that trump represents or it's like trump is freaking me out i need to get to something calm and that's why they voted biden i understand it they stole it, Tucker. You're you're too smart to believe that Dementia Joe got 81 million votes last November. Making the case for the possibility that Biden might have actually beat Trump in a general election, it's sad, Tucker. It's sad. But wait, there's more. What, what we didn't understand is that Biden would be immediately taken over and used as a vessel by people who really have a hard ideological agenda that is... Yeah, how, how safe is it feeling right now? Not at all. We didn't understand that? Tucker. We didn't understand that? See, I'm old enough to remember October of last year... When Tucker did a whole hour interview of a former business associate of the Biden family, a guy named Tony Bobolinsky. Remember that? And God bless him for doing it. But of course we knew that Biden was going to be an empty vessel used by radical people if he got in office. You could not have watched that interview and not known that. 
I got a 24-second intro, part of the intro to that video from October of last year. There's no way Tucker was shocked at what Biden became on January 20th. Here we go. The story we're about to tell you is instead about Joe Biden, the man who just days from now could be elected president of the United States. Joe Biden, and we can tell you this with certainty, had direct personal involvement with his family's business dealings in communist China and likely in other countries as well. The former vice president, of course, has vehemently denied that. He is lying. Tonight we can prove that. There you go. There you go. Now, lest you think that somehow Doc has decided this is dump on Tucker Day, it's not. It's not. I uh, I feel bad for the situation he's in. I started the show today talking about what a wonderful job he did with Kyle Rittenhouse last night. How if... One of my kids was in the same situation Kyle was in. I would trust Tucker to be the guy to interview him. I appreciate his compassion and his fairness with this young man last night. I appreciate him, him having the guts to do the Patriot Purge series, which you can watch for free at TuckerCarlson.com, the three-part series about what really happened on January 6th. It was a setup by the feds. And I appreciate the difficult situation he's in now. Because I got to tell you, I was in a similar situation recently. If I had said the election was stolen as of January 6th or stop the steal, I would have been fired from my job doing local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas for Cumulus Media. The word came down from on high. Matter of fact, even before that, I had a rally scheduled on the steps of the state capitol in Little Rock for the last Saturday in November. And when management found out about it, this this wasn't even from corporate, this was from local management. Local managers found out about it. Uh, they said, you can't go through that rally. Well, you'll be fired if you do. They couldn't believe that I thought this was a good idea. So I feel for Tucker for the situation that he is in because he does a, such a good job on so many things. But clearly, clearly, He's not allowed to even entertain the possibility that the election was stolen. That's your job. You lose your job if you do that. I was in a little bit different situation because the talk radio program directors asked the corporate vice president of programming, they say, you know, we, uh, we take calls on our talk radio shows. What do we do if somebody calls in and says the election was stolen? The corporate vice president of programming for Cumulus Media said, well, you do the dance, you know. You can say things like, well, there were certainly irregularities in Pennsylvania, or we saw the 
suitcases full of ballots come out from under the tables at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, you just can't say the word stolen election or stop the steal. But see, Tucker Carlson doesn't take callers. And you get the distinct impression that he's not allowed to even allude to the possibility that the election wasn't on the up and up. Again, again, I don't know how you can listen to this 52-second clip from an interview that Tucker Carlson did with Guy Benson last week and come away with any other conclusion than the fact that he is trying to establish the case that Joe Biden did indeed beat Donald Trump, and we all know that's not true. Pull up tape from Joe Biden four years ago. It's a totally different man. So everybody knows it. I would just say as a political matter, I felt that his obvious, whatever you want to call it, the fact he was slowing down, was one of the reasons he got elected because he seemed Mm non-threatening so he might be a little punchy he's clearly not in his game whatever you you know however kind of safe that normal thank you that's the word safe and i got that i totally understood that i know why people voted for biden i definitely do i'm not mocking them for voting for him they were exhausted by trump they're not ideological they didn't think about the ideas that biden represents or that trump represents or it's like trump is freaking me out i need to get to something calm and that's why they voted biden i understand it what what we didn't understand is that biden would be immediately taken over and used as a vessel by people who really have a hard ideological agenda that is yeah how, how safe is it feeling right now not at all yeah but you did you did understand that you knew so if i may um Three suggestions. Three suggestions. One is, if you haven't seen Tucker Carlson's wonderful interview with Kyle Rittenhouse last night, find it, YouTube, foxnews.com, whatever. It was fantastic. I'm sure that Kyle's mother could not have asked for better. Tucker treated her son with great respect and allowed him to tell his story, including the allegation that his former lawyers raised almost a million dollars but wouldn't bail him out of jail. You you need to watch it, if for nothing else, for that. Because one of these guys, a lot of conservative people, a lot of Trump supporters think is a hero, and he's not. That's one suggestion. Watch Tucker's interview with Kyle Rittenhouse last night. It was wonderful. Suggestion number two. Go to his website. Go to TuckerCarlson.com. Watch the three-part series called Patriot Purge. Like I say, I've seen the trailers for each of the three parts. I'm looking forward to watching the whole thing. But from the trailers, obviously he did a really good job. And obviously he's making the right enemies. If Jonah Goldberg, Stephen Hayes, Brett Baer, and Chris Wallace are against you, you're doing something right. And then the third suggestion I would have would be pray for Tucker Carlson. It's got to be troubling for him that he cannot even allow him to self to think about 
the possibility that Joe Biden stole the election. It's horrendous. It's a bad place to be. See, because he's supposed to be one of the opinion hosts, you know. But not that opinion. That's for doggone sure. Not that opinion. All right, let me ask something. As a lot of people wonder, is the first term of Joe Biden actually the third term of Barack Obama? Remember in 09 when Nancy Pelosi told everybody they had to pass Obamacare to see what was in it? And then you found out that the so-called Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, was not affordable, made your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answer yes to any or all of this, you need to get a hold of my friend, Art Wilborn. He's got a website called myfamilyhealthplan.com. When you go to myfamilyhealthplan.com, and we link to it on our website, front and center, here's what you see. Affordable plans save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And you click on the little button that says schedule call now, and that's what you need to do. Save money on your insurance, big money on your insurance. And here's a really great thing with Art Wilborn. You get an insurance plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion that would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. The website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. Go there, book a free consultation, and Art Wilborn will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money today on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. You'll be so glad you did. So glad you did. All right. Um, pardon me. Have you heard what Biden said yesterday? This guy, this guy. You know, I cannot call him President Biden because I don't believe that he won the thing fair and square. I do believe the election was stolen. And it always trips me up when I'm reading a, a news article on the air and they put the words President and Biden together. So I think what I'm going to do, whenever, whenever I run into that term, the word Biden with the word president in front of it. I think I'm going to uh, use a different word in front of Biden. Hey, guys, do y'all mind if I if I start calling him usurper Biden instead of President Biden? Checking with my crew, Brian and Mansour in the other room. Is that okay? Y'all have a problem with that? All right, all right. I think that's what we're going to call him from now on, the Doc Washman Show. We'll call him Usurper Biden. Because that's what he is. Usurper Biden. That's, that's okay? It's great. Okay. Love it. All right. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it.
All right, so usurper Biden was giving a little speech yesterday, and uh, he's clearly off his rocker. I'm not telling you anything you didn't know. Here he is. If you look at my presidency so far, it's a jobs presidency. Ah! And it's a small business presidency. Ah! So if you look at the facts, here's what the record shows. Record job creation, record economic growth, record new small business creation. That's the story that should give us confidence about the economy that we're building. So that's why we have record-breaking inflation. So that's why so many places are having a hard time finding employees. So that's why participation in the employment market is so low. This guy, man, this guy. Stupid or evil or both. I don't know, man. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. He's been getting away with it since 1972. And he believes he'll always get away with it. But, you know, at some point, each one of us has to stand before our creator and give an account for what we've done on this earth. And he's no exception. He's no exception. All right, I got to share with you because there's an issue that most of the media, including conservative media, there's an issue that almost all of Congress ignores, including supposedly conservative Republicans in Congress. And that is... January 6th, what really happened and what's being done to the people who didn't do anything wrong. The great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, her new article is entitled Select Committee Covering Up Police Brutality on January 6th. She says the family of Roseanne Boyland, one of two female Trump supporters who died at the Capitol on January 6th, just announced They have hired a lawyer to investigate the suspicious circumstances of her untimely death. 34-year-old Roseanne Boyland traveled with her friend Justin Winchell from Georgia to Washington to hear President Trump's speech. The pair then walked from the ellipse to Capitol Hill. A photo published in a local Georgia newspaper shows Boyland smiling, wearing old glory sunglasses and carrying a don't tread on me flag that day. A few hours later, she was dead. Now, in April, the D.C. Medical Examiner's Office claimed Boyland died of accidental acute amphetamine intoxication. Boyland reportedly used Adderall a drug commonly used to treat attention deficit disorders that contains amphetamines. Fatal Adderall overdoses are rare. Boyland would have had to ingest roughly 25 times her standard dose to die from it. Aside from the unlikelihood Boyland overdosed on her daily medicine while actively participating 
in a day-long political rally, recently released footage and firsthand accounts contradict the coroner's report. Roseanne's aunt, Cheryl Boyland, wrote in a post at Give, Send, Go, there are still many questions about exactly what happened to her. Here's the big quote. Videos show her being beaten by a female officer after being crushed by protesters pushed by police. Yeah, the D.C. medical examiner said Roseanne's body showed, showed no signs of trauma and attributed her death to the prescription medication she took every day for years. According to videos and statements, Roseanne was dragged unconscious through the West Tunnel by the police at 4.31 p.m. Then she was taken to the crypt and to the House Majority Leader's office before EMTs arrived. Finally, at 5.45 p.m., finding her inside the rotunda being given CPR by Capitol Police. Furthermore, both the Medical Examiner's Office and D.C. Metropolitan Police Department continue to refuse to release pertinent information related to her death. Boylan's mother told the Gateway Pundit that the coroner is withholding her full autopsy report. D.C. police have denied numerous requests for body-worn camera footage, claiming the recordings are part of an ongoing investigation criminal proceeding. Julie Kelly says, as I reported last week, a new court filing details a shocking account of police brutality inside the Lower West Terrace Tunnel on January 6th, where Roseanne Boyland died. Dozens of police officers clad in full riot gear were stationed there ostensibly to stop protesters from entering the building. But emerging evidence suggests a more nefarious purpose. Officers used the tunnel as a bunker of sorts to launch a gruesome offensive against American citizens on federal property. In any other situation, the behavior of law enforcement throughout that afternoon which is now documented, would result in nonstop news, nonstop news coverage, protests, and demands for criminal investigations. Since the victims are Trump supporters, or at least people who protested the unlawful election of Joe Biden, the misconduct instead is buried by the media and covered up by Nancy Pelosi's January 6th select committee. For months, the Justice Department has kept under seal at least 14,000 hours of surveillance video captured by Capitol security cameras on January 6th. Merrick Garland's office successfully argued in court that the recordings are highly sensitive government material. And every clip used as evidence in Capitol cases is concealed by a protective order. Discovery has been intentionally delayed to prevent defendants and their lawyers from seeing the secret footage. Time, however, is running out for Garland's prosecutors. Joseph McBride, the attorney representing defendant Ryan Nichols, recently viewed three hours of surveillance video recorded by security cameras inside the tunnel. What McBride describes in his filing based on that footage is a sustained and brutal assault by police officers against Capitol protesters, something his client, a Marine and longtime rescue volunteer, attempted to stop. One officer in particular, a D.C. Metro police supervisor, 
referred to as white shirt in McBride's motion, repeatedly beat protesters with a baton and his fist. According to McBride, the footage video shows, quote, white shirt beats the woman with his baton, striking her eight times in six seconds. White shirt punches the woman in the face with his left hand, landing five punches in five seconds with all of his might. Another officer joins in and starts beating the woman in the head with his baton, landing 12 strikes in seven seconds, unquote. By the way, it does not appear that the woman in that account is actually Roseanne Boyland. Brad Geyer, lawyer defending Kenneth Harrelson in the Oath Keepers case, verified McBride's account. Geyer wrote on Twitter, the supervisor, we call him White Shirt, takes his baton and starts spearing the woman in the eye with it, jamming her with full force in the face. She turns her head and he jams the back of her head and ear. He then is punching her in the face. She is literally being beaten in a sick, sadistic manner that frankly shocked me as someone who was in law enforcement for 21 years. Both Harrelson and Nichols are incarcerated in the D.C. jail under pretrial detention orders. Outside the tunnel around the same time, Boylan's lifeless body was lying on the ground with her friends screaming for help. Winchell cried, she's dead, she's dead. McBride explains what happened next. Roseanne Boylan's body is dragged into the tunnel at 4.30 p.m. and is never seen again. Her body, however, was seen at that point, after that point by at least two men. Capitol Hill police officers Aquilino Gunnell and Harry Dunn. Both officers, along with D.C. Metro officers Michael Fanone and Daniel Hodges, testified at the first hearing of the January 6th Select Committee in July, Gunnell tearfully told the committee about the, quote, vicious and relentless, unquote, attacks by protesters. But Officer Gunnell largely ignored his own role in the violence, only briefly explaining that he kicked and punched so-called rioters, including hitting one with his baton. Gunnell admitted he was at the front of the tunnel for most of the afternoon. He then offered just one sentence on what he did with Boylan's body. Quote, it was not until around 4.26 p.m. after giving CPR to one of the rioters who breached the Capitol in an effort to save her life that I finally had a chance to let my own family know that I was alive, unquote. After dragging Roseanne Boylan's body through the tunnel, Officer Gunnell met up with Officer Dunn. Dunn testified in July In the crypt, I encountered Sergeant Gunnell, who was giving assistance to an unconscious woman who had been in the crowd of rioters on the west side of the Capitol. I helped to carry her to the House Majority Leader's office where where she was administered CPR. Paramedics arrived and took Boyland to a local hospital. She's pronounced dead shortly after 6 p.m. Despite their alarming testimony, no one, no one, on the January 6th committee, bothered to ask either officer who the woman was or what had happened to her. Neither Liz Cheney, Republican Wyoming, nor Adam Kinzinger, Republican Illinois, nor Adam Schiff, Democrat California, the alleged January 6th truth seekers. None of them. Asked officers Gunnell or Dunn how the woman ended up in Steny Hoyer's office 
or whether she was already dead as they vainly attempted CPR. To the contrary, the choice by the committee to first feature at least two officers involved in what increasingly appears to be a cover-up of the violent death of a second female Trump supporter at the hands of police on January 6th was an effort to canonize Gunnell and Dunn, make them out to be saints, and shield them from any media or legislative scrutiny. Congressional Republicans, at least the handful who care about really getting to the truth about January 6th, have no legislative power for now. But they can and must raise public awareness related to police brutality against Trump supporters on Capitol grounds on January 6th. The American people and Boylan's family deserve the truth, not more stonewalling and cover-ups by House Democrats, the D.C. coroner, and the D.C.-based police departments. Now, again... This is the wonderful Julie Kelly over at American Greatness article entitled Select Committee Covering Up Police Brutality on January 6th. This is the kind of thing that greatly upsets people at Fox News like Brett Baer, Chris Wallace, and for that matter, the two guys on Brett Baer's roundtable that uh, just resigned. Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes. They don't want the truth getting out. They don't want the truth getting out. But you know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that there's nobody who can tell me anymore if you say this, you'll be fired. I'm really thankful. All right. Um, that having been said, this is a fun part of the show. It's time for the tweet of the day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. Red River Your Way, which is the national car dealership that believes in freedom, your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want. You buy it online. Wherever you are, they'll deliver it to you. They're right in the middle of this big old country called the USA. Red River Your Way brings you the tweet of the day. And this tweet. Mediaite has it. NBC reporter says you can combat. Should it be combat or combat? I think combat is the, the noun. Combat is the verb. NBC reporter says you can combat inflation spike Thanksgiving costs by skipping turkey and driving away guests. You can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. Okay, what is her name again? Because she, uh, she deserves to be made famous. Yes, NBC Today Show reporter Vicki Nguyen. Okay. And uh, in our tweet of the day, here she is in the Today Show. 
yesterday morning saying this. You also have apps like Venmo and PayPal and Zelle. These days, you also have apps like Venmo and PayPal and Zelle. And etiquette experts are a little mixed on this, but you could ask everybody to just throw in cash, five, ten dollars. Mm. That really adds up. And while we are on the topic of something that could be controversial, perhaps forego the turkey. Bear with me. Ooh. I know that is the staple of the Thanksgiving meal. However, some people think turkey is overrated. And so it tends to be the most expensive thing on the table. Maybe you do an Italian feast instead. And I will say this, if you tell everyone you're having a Thanksgiving without turkey, some guests may drop off the list and that's a way to cut costs too. A little turkey hot dogs recommending maybe. It. Yeah, you are. You're definitely recommending it. But wait a minute. She said experts are mixed. So we got to go with the experts, right? I mean, that's why we make five-year-olds wear masks to protect themselves from a disease that does not, uh, that they're not at risk of. Experts? Experts are mixed. Wait. Etiquette experts are a little mixed on this, but you could ask everybody to just throw in cash, five, ten dollars. Mm. That really adds up. Etiquette experts are mixed. Yeah, we are. We we gotta we gotta. You know, we don't have any sense ourselves. You know, so we got to see. Well, what what would the etiquette experts say? You know, I don't know if this is a surprise to you, but the people in the media stratosphere of New York City are in a little bubble. And they think they're normal, and they think the rest of the country is just like them. And they have no idea. Etiquette experts are mixed on this. Anyway, anyway, anyway. She's not recommending this. Yes, she is recommending this. Just tell everybody we're not going to have turkey, and maybe someone won't show up. And that's how you save money with this inflation going on that we don't want to talk about who's responsible for because they all love themselves some uh, Dementia Joe. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. No, it's not President Biden. It's usurper Biden. I ain't even going to lie, fam. See, we tell the truth on the Doc Washburn Show. It is usurper Biden. And Vicki Nguyen, Vicki Nguyen, NBC TV reporter on... The Today Show. Boy, how far they've fallen. I remember when it used to be like a news show. It's saying, just to tell everybody you're not going to have turkey and maybe someone won't show up. Don't say, Holmes. Maybe someone won't show up. That's nuts. But NBC reporter says you can combat... Inflation spiked Thanksgiving cost by skipping turkey, driving away guests is our tweet of the day. Brought to you by the great folks at Red River Your Way, where you have the freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to just by going to redriveryourway.com. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So... The police lieutenant in Virginia with the Norfolk Police Department 
who was wrongfully terminated last year for having the gall to anonymously donate $25 to the Kyle Rittenhouse Defense Fund. I guess it was earlier this year. Uh, Candace Owens, the great Candace Owens, raised some money for him. And gave him a check for $202,000. So sometimes um, good deeds are rewarded. Sometimes good deeds are rewarded. Did you hear about uh, usurper Biden announcing he's going to do something about the uh, strategic petroleum reserves? further deplete them? Look, destroying domestic oil production, depleting our strategic petroleum reserves, and putting the country's energy needs at the mercy of foreign nations because of so-called environmental justice or some other equity gobbledygook, that's how critical race theory is being applied to the energy sector. Hat tip to a rising serpent over there on, on Twitter. That's how. That's how they're doing it. The epidemiological relevance of the COVID-19 vaccinated population is increasing. Oh, from Science Direct. And they link to a, a long study here. Why does this not surprise me? Why does this not surprise me? Yeah, Lauren Boebert about the strategic oil reserves. Lauren Boebert, wonderful congresswoman from Colorado, says that Biden is opening strategic oil reserves because he decided to destroy domestic energy production and OPEC rebuffed his nonsensical demands. He's only releasing enough for about two and a half days of usage this so-called help is a big lie. He made the crisis. Again, Rising Serpent says, if Biden's handlers weren't such monomaniacal, radical Marxists, they'd have known that the release of strategic p- petroleum reserves is too small to matter, and that in replenishing it, our dependency on foreign states will only deepen when we really should be increasing production. That's right. That's right, y'all. That's absolutely correct. Now, Thomas Massey, great congressman out of Kentucky, links to an article from thefederalist.com entitled, The Marine Corps is about to purge the vaccine hesitant from its ranks. And Congressman Massey says, was this the goal all along? A military that abandons science for fanaticism has a serious vulnerability. Even General George Washington recognized natural immunity and did not inoculate soldiers who had already recovered from smallpox. This is shameful. Shameful. And here's the article from Gabriel Powell over the Federalist.com entitled, The Marine Corps is about to purge the vaccine hesitant from its ranks. 
It says Berkeley Simmons' husband has requested a religious accommodation to the U.S. military's COVID-19 vaccination mandate. She's worried about what comes next for her family and the Marine Corps. She wonders, it's like a big old cloud that's just heavily draped around so many people's necks. Are they going to approve the exemptions or not? What are we going to do? What happens when there's no money? The Marine Corps does offer a definitive, uh, a definite answer. A Marine who has requested an exemption can still choose to receive a vaccine. What? Wait, what? The Marine Corps does offer a definite answer. A Marine who has requested an exemption can still choose to receive a vaccine. What? Berkeley Simmons points out the palpable irony of the situation. Marines who took an oath to protect and defend our country from enemies foreign and domestic and fight for the freedoms of the Constitution are now being denied one of its most cherished rights, religious liberty. To date, the U.S. Marine Corps has not granted a single religious accommodation to its COVID-19 requirement. Despite its policy to do so, unless there is a compelling government interest, According to several Marines going through the process, it does not intend to do so and will kick them out once the vaccination deadline passes, stripping them of veterans' benefits. In June 2021, Representative Thomas Massey, Republican Kentucky, introduced H.R. 3860, a bill that would prohibit any vaccine mandate in the military after receiving calls from constituents in the military who are facing adverse conditions based on their vaccination status. Massey's bill would prohibit a vaccination mandate in the military and prevent any adverse actions from being taken against military members who chose not to receive the vaccine. Despite some political resistance in Congress to mandates, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin issued the vaccination requirement for the armed forces August 24, 2021. Once he did so, options for those who did not want to take the vaccine were quickly limited. According to Marine Corps guidance, even those who have already recovered from COVID-19 and have natural immunity are required to be vaccinated. The remaining options are to request a medical exemption or religious accommodation. The Marine Corps, in accord with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, is supposed to grant religious accommodations for sincerely held religious beliefs, except under very specific narrow conditions. Congressman Massey said that, to his knowledge, none are being granted. In his opinion, to offer religious accommodations with no intention of granting any is unconstitutional and fraudulent. The people in the military offering them, knowing none will be granted, ought to be held accountable through civil and criminal means. Many others allege a concerted effort to deny all religious accommodations is being undertaken by the Defense Department Attorney Mike Berry, Marine Corps reservist, representing Navy SEALs in a lawsuit against the Biden administration, told Harris Faulkner over at Fox, we've been told from the Pentagon from the very highest levels, DOD does not intend to approve any religious accommodation requests. 
In the Air Force, as of its November 3rd vaccination deadline, zero religious accommodation requests have been granted. Multiple Marines who spoke on condition of anonymity also stated that directions had come from the highest levels of the Pentagon and Marine Corps headquarters that no religious accommodations will be granted. On October 20, Marine Corps spokesman Captain Andrew Wood said no religious accommodations have been granted to date. And there's no record of any religious accommodations for vaccination being granted by HQMC in the past 10 years. When reached for comment on this story, Captain Wood restated Marine Corps policy that, quote, all current exemption requests are being reviewed on a case-by-case basis, unquote, but declined to give any statistics on how many religious accommodations have been requested, approved, or denied. Berkeley Simmons' husband submitted his request for religious accommodations 72 days ago, but this request has not yet reached Marine Corps headquarters for a decision. This delay alone has taken longer than policy allows to decide such requests, which is supposed to be ruled on within 30 days. According to Mrs. Simmons, it's being purposely slow-rolled in order to put additional pressure on her husband to get vaccinated. Wow. You know, that brings to mind something a friend of mine, a great attorney out of Arkansas, Joe Churchwell, once said. The government passes a lot of laws dictating what the government shall do. Okay? But what's the remedy if the government disobeys its own laws? Anyway, the Federalist.com continues. The delay also precludes the possibility of an appeal if the request isn't adjudicated before the deadline. Delaying decisions also makes the compliance rate for the Marine Corps look higher than it actually is as the Corps does not consider a Marine to have refused the vaccine until the accommodations process is completed. According to Ms. Simmons, the Corps' response to the vaccine concerned is vindictive and goes beyond just wanting to ensure force readiness. She says it would be one thing if the military said, okay, well, you know what? These men and women want to get out. They don't like the shot. We'll give them a separation package, and we'll give them the retirement that maybe they, they've earned. They're saying, no, none of it. You're done. She says, for 17 years, my husband has answered the phone calls in the middle of the night, has picked up body parts and filled out the missing reports of friends, seen combat, had to deal with suicide, recently lost friends to a failed pullout of a 20-year war in Afghanistan, and this is what's left of our Marine Corps. This is utter betrayal. Yeah, it is. It sure is. It's crying shame. It's crying shame. We're um, we're witnessing an anti-American 
anti-military regime. Trying to do the best to weaken our national security, to weaken our national defense. And they're doing a great job of it, too. A great job of it. So, Black Lives Matter activists has claimed the Waukesha, Wisconsin Christmas parade attack, which killed five people, was linked to the acquittal of teenager Kyle Rittenhouse. Activist Vaughn Mays speculated the attack, which saw suspect Daryl Brooks Jr., 39, drive a car into a crowd of parade goers in Wisconsin on Sunday with the start of a revolution. Vaughn Mays claimed that the horror that unfolded during the Christmas parade was linked to growing anger over the verdict in the Rittenhouse trial, which saw the teenager acquitted on charges stemming from killing two men and wounding another during the unrest that followed the shooting of a black man by a, a white police officer. Oh, okay. Speaking from the scene of the parade attack on Monday night, Vaughn Mays said on Facebook Live, quote, I don't know. Now we'll have to wait and see because they do have somebody in custody. We may have to wait and see what they say about why this happened, but it sounds possible that the revolution has started in Wisconsin. It started with this Christmas parade. Mays continued to speculate on the Facebook Live and said, I said I wasn't going to speak on no rumors Double negative. That's awful. He says, y'all are repeating some of the stuff that you know that has come up, and I can tell you that the initial person who reached out to me said they believe this has to do with a verdict, and so I made an assumption of which side it would be from, but I don't know. What an idiot. Oh, no. Revolution might have started. Oh, no. What an idiot. What a moron. Okay, enough of that. Enough of that. Speaking of, uh, I don't know, independent journalist uh, Jordan Schachtel over at Substack says, yesterday, Vax Passport New York reported eight times more COVID cases than Free Florida, which has no restrictions in place. Just means it's working, I guess. According to Fauci and the public health experts, so-called in clown world, this just means that New York needs to behave a lot better and Florida's getting the numbers down through better sanitary practices. Yeah, right. Unfreaking believable, isn't it? Unbelievable. See, we have a lot of listeners, had a lot of people uh, downloading the podcast in New York. And I don't know. I don't know if you guys are aware of how bad things are in New York and what they're putting the kids through. Carol Markowitz. Colonists over at the New York Post and Fox News says, 
this morning. It's 37 degrees in New York City today, and kids at public schools around the city are still eating lunch, sitting on the ground outside. 37 degrees. She says, grown-ups who enact these policies should try it. After you're done eating on the ground, make sure to put your mask back on and not take it off again. This is what New York demands of kids. Our governor who forced masks back on two-year-olds gallivants around with no mask on. At 63 years old, she's far more at risk than a toddler. She says, I guess people were unaware in New York City kids eat on the ground outside. Yes, it's true. They sit on concrete out, outdoors for lunch, 37 degrees. For safety, you guys, for safety. She says, I wrote about this in September. One school offered a skip lunch uh, option for bad weather as an option to parents. Oh, okay, so just uh, let the kids skip lunch. You know, I remember, forget elementary school, I remember being in high school, and we had seven periods in the school day. And fourth period, the seniors got to eat. Fifth period, the juniors got to eat. And sixth period, the 10th graders finally would get to eat. And by the time that sixth period started, I was starving, trying to get a headache. I was so hungry. Can you imagine telling a little kid, well, if you don't want to sit outside on the concrete in 37-degree weather, you can just go without lunch. It's child abuse. Carol Markwood says, you know what's so depressing? All the responses to my tweet from people who can't believe kids would be forced to eat on the ground. It's not even a contentious, contentious thing in New York City. That's the worst part. Nobody's complaining about it. She says, I asked my sons a few days ago if they sit on the ground. My eight-year-old says he does. My five-year-old said... I sit with the kids who have allergies because they get a bench. She says, anyway, if this is happening in your school district, tweet where, and I'll retweet it so people will know how widespread it is. That's nuts, man. That's nuts. Speaking of that's nuts, Washington Free Beacon, Alex Nestor has a story. The Department of Education wants to roll back a Trump-era effort to collect data on teacher-on-student sex crimes. The Department's Office for Civil Rights will not ask school districts questions regarding teacher-on-student sexual assault allegations. That's part of its 2021-2022 civil rights data collection proposed Thursday. The change is designed to reduce burden and duplication of data, according to what an education department spokesman told the Washington Free Beacon. But critics say eliminating the question is the Biden administration's attempt to appease teachers' unions. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Kimberly Ritchie, who served as acting assistant secretary in the Office for Civil Rights, the Trump administration told the Washington Free Beacon, this is the ultimate act of bowing to the teachers' unions. Through this proposal, the Biden administration is actively helping schools cover up these incidents, which were intentionally, which we were intentionally shining a light on. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Loudoun County, Virginia there, right? Yeah. Sure does, fam. Sure does. Did I mention that uh, there are bad people in charge of the federal government? 
I don't know. Did I did I say anything about that? Did I mention I'm not going to use the word president in front of the word Biden? We'll call him usurper Biden. Did I? Did I mention anything about that? So there's this uh, thread out there on Twitter from a woman named Michelle Tandler. She calls herself a moderate liberal. She's a chief researcher at something called Life School. And a native of San Francisco. On a mission to elevate basic life skills. And so San Francisco is getting so bad that what liberals voted for is starting to really bother them because of the real-world ramifications. And that's what we see in this thread. And again, thank you to all our listeners and downloaders in, in California. We appreciate you. She says, one of my best friends in San Francisco was burglarized and robbed last week while sleeping. Two days later, she saw three men peering into her backyard. She called San Francisco Police Department sobbing. They did not come. She said, I've never lived someplace where the government just doesn't care about you. She and her husbands are going to turn their home into a security fortress, motion detectors, lights, cameras. She said, I was told that next time I have to say they have a weapon. I warned her, be careful, that could get you into trouble. I explained to her that we have laws which could give someone the right to sue her for calling the cops if they aren't actually committing a crime yet. So what should she do if she sees people peering into her yard with cameras? I have no idea. And she links to an article out of the UK Guardian, San Francisco's Karen Act makes placing racist 911 calls a hate crime. City signs legislation giving people the right to sue callers after high-profile incidents, targeting people of color for barbecuing, bird-watching, and more. Barbecuing. Oh, what a ridiculous. Hang on a second. Hang on. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just got to digress here for a second. Barbecue is not a verb, right? You're probably talking about cooking out or grilling out. No, 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 no. Barbecue is a noun which applies to a particular kind of meat prepared in a particular kind of way depending upon what part of the South you live in. It is a great injustice for people who don't live in the Southeast to refer, refer to the act of grilling out or cooking out and calling it a, uh, to barbecue. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, Michelle Tandler's friend asked her, does the government want me to be here? If I pay taxes, shouldn't they protect me? I responded, I don't think our government cares if you are protected. I don't think they want you to be here. I think they see you as a gentrifier. Ooh. She was hesitant to tell me because she was worried it would upset me. She was right. I'm upset. I'm upset because I want my hometown to feel safe. I want my government to care about our residents. I want to feel safe too. 
She says it doesn't matter if it's just stuff. It's scary as hell to have someone enter your home. The fact that we as a city have accepted burglaries and property crime as the cost of living here ignores the emotional toll. This isn't right. And then she says two liberal women in San Francisco starting to see things in a different light. And she shows some private messages back and forth. One of them says, I never understood why people would want to own guns until Chesa arrived on the scene. I get it now. If the government won't protect you, who will? The other one responds, I never truly understood the need until that happened. I couldn't sleep. And at 1 a.m., I realized that now I know why people own guns. Chesa, is that the, uh, I think that's the, the prosecutor. Chesa Boudin. District Attorney of San Francisco, who uh, is happy to just let people burglarize and shoplift and all that kind of stuff. Michelle Tandler continues, for the record, I have zero interest in owning or using a gun. I believe in outsourcing that responsibility to highly trained professionals. Yeah, the highly trained professionals ain't going to show up, baby. What's wrong with you? You just said it. She called San Francisco police and they refused to come out. She says, oh, wait, 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 you can afford private security. Okay, I got it, I got it. She says, it's very problematic when people think they need guns to live safely in an urban environment. This year, I cannot tell you how many people admitted to me that they bought a gun. This is not the right direction. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It shown enough is. Just so you know. Just so you know. Yeah, uh, get out of the blue states. Get out of the blue states. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was on with Tucker Carlson. Let's see what he said. What I tell people is, you know, we have to, we have to love our freedom more than we fear a, a germ. We have to, and you know, even to, to, and I would even, you know, remind people that there's all that, even if this was the deadly disease that they say it is, there's worse things than death. And there was a whole generation, and that may sound cold, and people get mad at me for saying it, but we're lucky that there was a whole generation of Americans in 1776 who said it would be better to die than to not have these rights written down. And they gave us that. They gave us that gift of that Bill of Rights. And in one year, at the bidding of a doctor, because he's telling us, you know, you need to do this to save them, and orchestrated fear, and you know, all of the weird stuff they did with the numbers, which is not what public health is supposed to be doing. In one year, all of those rights have been taken away from us. Wow. One year. One year all those rights have been taken away from us. And you know, part of the problem is the media, the sycophants in the media help usurper Biden's regime take away our rights. There's a guy named Van Jones. He's a political commentator on CNN and a communist. 
on with Alfredo Chris Cuomo last night. I think the reason that you have a lot of shock and, and anger and frustration uh, from the black community and, and from progressives is there's never been an African-American kid. You think of 400 years of, of, of provocations and bad stuff that's happened and threats against us. There's never been an African-American kid that walked around with an AR-15 and shot three people and got held as a hero ever. And it will never happen. And so there's just from the very beginning a sense that uh, uh, there's, there are two, there's a two-tier system here where we don't have the right to self-defense in the same way. I don't have a Second Amendment right in the same way. If Van Jones walked down the street with an AR-15, you know what you say about me? It sure was nice knowing Van Jones because I'm not going to have a chance to explain myself. Okay, he's lying through his teeth. I presented to you yesterday case after case after case after case after case after case. Dozens of them. Dozens of them. In which black defendants were found not guilty because the jury believed their claims of self-defense. But CNN don't want you to know that. CNN don't want you to know that. All right, I got one more for you. Washington Free Beacon, meet the progressive district attorney behind the Waukesha bail catastrophe. John Chisholm inspired progressive prosecutors like Chase and Boudin over in San Francisco. In a 2019 paper about criminal justice reform, Milwaukee County DA John Chisholm wrote, when we pay too little attention to the underlying causes and characteristics of individuals in the criminal justice system, we make significant errors which can lead to greater problems. That was before Chisholm conceded Monday that he had set an inappropriate low, inappropriately low bail amount earlier this month when Daryl Edwards, Edward Brooks Jr., the lead suspect in Sun, Sunday's deadly car rampage in Waukesha, Wisconsin, was arrested for domestic abuse and eluding police. D.A. Chisholm has been a leading figure among progressive prosecutors, left-wing lawmen who favor diversionary programs and community building to lock to locking up criminal defendants. His handling of the Brooks case is already sparking blowback to their growing influence over the justice system, much of which has been boosted by financial contributions from left-wing billionaire George Soros. Chisholm, who was elected in 2007, supports deferrals for some misdemeanor, misdemeanors and what he calls low-level felonies in order to cut down incarceration. And he's taking credit for inspiring a new wave of prosecutors in cities like San Francisco, St. Louis, and Philadelphia who have enacted similar reforms. Chisholm congratulated San Francisco DA Chesa Bowden following his election in 2019, and the pair spoke at a forum earlier this year on the status of the progressive prosecutor movement. Chisholm and other progressives support reforms to the cash bail system, which they say criminalizes poverty. He's acknowledged his reform-minded approach could put murderers back on the streets of Milwaukee. He told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, 2007, is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. Wow, man. Milwaukee DA said his office recommended $1,000 bail for Brooks following his arrest on November 5th on charges he punched his girlfriend in the face and hit her with his vehicle at a gas station parking lot. The woman's identified only by her initials and court papers, which indicate they have a child together. Brooks was also charged with eluding police officers when they arrived to take him into custody. 
A review of Wisconsin court records shows Brooks may have been a familiar figure to Chisholm, given that he was arrested and charged about half a dozen times in Milwaukee County during Chisholm's tenure. Brooks posted bail November 11th on Sunday. The 39-year-old aspiring rapper allegedly drove his red Ford SUV into a holiday parade in Waukesha, killing five people. Chisholm said Monday he's reviewing the bail decision for the earlier case, saying it was not high enough for a violent crime. Brooks's release this month is not the first time he has been freed after prosecutors lowered his bail, and it goes on and on and on and on. Y'all, something's got to change. Something's got to change. Get out of the blue states and always carry. I mean, that's what I'd say. But what, what do I know? What do I know? I'm just a recovering DJ impersonating a talk show host. All right, I think that'll uh, just about do it for today. We appreciate y'all. You've been listening to the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Watchman Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021.